our gospel reading this Christmas Eve comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Let's listen together for the word of God. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Word of God for the people of God. God. Guys, I've got good news. Thursday was the longest night of the year. Yeah, I know. You don't have to have seasonal affect disorder to be excited about that. Because what this means is that from here on out, it is more light, more light, and more light. Which is great news, really, because... And I don't know about you, maybe this is just me, but I have really been feeling the weight of the darkness out there this year. Anyone else? Yeah. And I know that some of it comes from the steady rain of late night tweets descending on us from the White House bathroom (laughs) about news cafefe and imaginary wiretaps and beautiful Confederate statues and the casual possibility of nuclear annihilation. That kind of darkness piped through our screens and into our eyes and ears is enough to make anyone feel anxious and paranoid and maybe a little crazy. After our Christmas lunch today, Jeff asked, is your Christmas sermon going to be about Trump like last year? (laughs) I think because last year his friends came and they didn't really care for that. (laughs) And I... (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha,
That was me speculating. That was me speculating. But I said, the story literally starts with an authoritarian ruler and the census for his new tax initiative. Of course it's going to be about Trump. But only a little bit. Because I think that an even bigger factor for me is the, the constant awareness of the violence and cruelty in the world and my feelings of powerlessness in the face of it. And I think you feel that too. Um, I heard that in our, our prayer time together. This year, we saw literal Nazis murdering people in the streets, mass shootings, terrorist attacks, the mother of all bombs dropped on Afghanistan, hurricanes Harvey and Irma and Maria, ISIS and Boko Haram, chemical attacks in Syria, children starving in Yemen, and the recent unmasking of sexual assault in government and media and entertainment. Just to name a few awful things that might make us sing, there is no peace on earth, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And this black cloud is all around us while we experience the everyday triumphs and tragedies of just being a person, living life. It's like even when I'm not looking at it, I can feel it hovering around me. But in the midst of this, I hear that the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And it has the ring of truth to it. There is authenticity to the words because that writer knew about deep darkness. His homeland was destroyed by warfare and his people were abducted. They were physically and spiritually homeless. He knew deep darkness. And yet, he could say that light is coming. And not just the light of inspiration in the human heart, but light that changes the actual world. Light that establishes justice and peace and righteousness. Light that blesses everybody, that restores society. And there was not much evidence to indicate that this was going to happen. I'm sure that at least some of his neighbors rolled their eyes called him naive, called his vision impractical, hashtag fake news. And what's more, this God who gave this vision to Isaiah promised to rescue his people from darkness in a new way, not by becoming more warlike, not by perpetuating the cycle of violence and retribution that turned out the lights in the first place, but by becoming childlike. This Prince of Peace would arrive not on a war horse, but on a donkey. This Prince of Peace would not sleep in a palace, but in a manger. And some people caught this vision. And that's the power that God gives to prophets to speak confidently about future hope in the midst of present hopelessness. And sure enough, when the Prince of Peace arrived, he was as vulnerable and cute as a newborn baby. And maybe this is a reason why we are so tempted to domesticate the story of Christmas, to water it down, to sentimentalize it. Or maybe that just makes it easier. Maybe the real reason is that we want to make it into a safe holiday that doesn't ask us to rethink the way things are. Because a truly radical Christmas might ask us to change too much might ask us to sacrifice too much. 
Last week, we Christians were practicing Advent, our season of preparation before we celebrate the birth of this Prince of Peace, the dawning of God's light in the darkness of the world. At the time, Congress was working feverishly to pass a tax bill with special breaks for owners of private jets. And the prominent Manhattan megachurch pastor, Tim Keller, tweeted, Jesus didn't come primarily to solve the economic, political, and social problems of the world. He came to forgive our sins. Because of the timing, it had to be read as a comment on current events, implying that those of us who are concerned about the present darkness have our priorities out of place. Because of the timing, it had to be read as a comment on the Christmas story. And the way Tim Keller tells it, concerns about money and politics and society were secondary to the ministry and mission of Jesus. And he's not alone in that. It's a common feeling. And it's not hard to imagine why talk about money and politics is divisive. Most of us don't like conflict. Most of us want to avoid disagreements that threaten the unity of our churches. Most of us don't want people to hijack Jesus for partisan political purposes. And many of us believe in a God who doesn't take sides. All that is understandable, but there's just one problem. Putting a division between the spiritual and the political, a hierarchy between the personal and the social, is impossible to reconcile with the Bible. One of my favorite Christian thought leaders is Rachel Held Evans, and she responded to Keller's tweet with a quote from the Gospel of Luke. It's from the first sermon of Jesus, where he lays out the vision for his ministry by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, if poverty, imprisonment, and oppression are not economic, social, and political problems, and I don't know what would be. And for her audacious quoting of scripture, Rachel was called angry, intolerant, unorthodox, desperate for attention, hysterical, and reprobate. Thank you, Calvinist Twitter. Which, all of which is what you get for being a woman on Twitter with opinions or almost anywhere else, apparently. But nevertheless, she persisted. And I'm glad she did, because Rachel is right. St. Luke would be astonished at our attempts to divide personal sin from social righteousness or spirituality from politics. Even more than the other gospel writers, he understood that Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God to earth. The way Luke tells the story... Jesus is the fulfillment of what the prophets longed and dreamed and campaigned and died for, a kingdom of peace with justice. The way Luke tells the story, Mary is pregnant with Jesus when she visits Elizabeth and sings about what God is doing in the world through Jesus. She says, He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now, if power and hunger and wealth and inequality are not economic, social, and political problems, then I don't know what would be. 
And I mean, I know that we Protestants are a little freaked out by Mary, like somehow we're worried that even talking about her is too Catholic or something. But when we ignore her voice, when we discredit her interpretation of what her own son meant to the world, we also soften the radical implications of the Christmas story. I mean, right there, she's talking about actual redistribution of wealth, right? Side note, uh, I never really thought um, about the song, Mary Did You Know, being a little condescending toward Mary until the theologian Megan Rustra was posting about it earlier this year. Do you guys know that song? Uh, Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day ruled the nations? Mary, did you know that your baby was Lord of all creation? Yeah, the angel explained the whole deal to her. <laughs> She's literally the only person in the whole story who knows what's going on. She knew. So Megan Rustra fixed the lyrics. And my Christmas gift to you is that I am not going to sing it. <laughs> but I am going to read it. Mary freaking knew that her baby boy would one day rule the nations. Mary freaking knew that her baby boy was Lord of all creation. Yes, she knew. Read Luke 1, you fool. She sang about it then. It helps if when you're reading, you listen to the women. What was I saying? Ah, the way Luke tells the story. The way Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth, it begins with an emperor and a census and taxes. If emperors and taxes aren't economic, social, and political problems, then I just don't know what would be. And the gospel writers, all of them, want us to notice who gets the announcement about the birth of Jesus. It's not the emperor. He's too busy celebrating his new tax bill to notice. It's the women and the shepherds and the foreigners. Because like it or not, the truth is God does take sides. He takes the side of the poor and the marginalized and the persecuted, which is good news. But it may not always sound like good news to all of us. To those of us who already have wealth and status and liberty, it might actually feel like loss. It might feel like we have something that will be taken away from us. Unless we can see these things not as something that we earned, but as gifts that God has given us to help shine the light into the dark places of the world. Gifts to share with others. And when we view things from that perspective, we can be encouraged. There is hope for us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the great light who shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And beginning with Christmas, he invites us to reflect this light into the dark places of the world. Amen.